Listening Dog Media. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. The Athletic. Hello and a warm welcome to The Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay. Alongside me, Premier League and new WSL reporter for Sky Sports, Lindsay Hooper. Hi, Hoops. Hello there. How are you and doing? The, I'm all right. And the glue holding Sky Sports news together, will we like to think so? Anyway, it's Hayley McQueen. Hi, Hayley. I don't know about that, but I'll take it. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Sticky McQueen. Lots to look forward to in today's show, but let's take a, a quick bit of respite just to check in. Uh, the season's full and flowing, both of you. I know, Lindsay, you're doing loads of preparation because this weekend sees the big launch of the WSL, the Women's Super League. It does. On Sky Sports for the very first time, it all kicks off on Friday night. Manchester United hosts Reading. And then there's a big one on Sunday as well. Arsenal against Chelsea. And these could be right at it going for the title all season. So a very early fixture to work out who's best equipped. Yeah, we're all very excited. Hayley, at the end of the transfer window, well, this August's transfer window, always a big event at Sky Sports News. Have you recovered? Um, just about, I think, just about. It's taken me a while. I didn't do the usual evening slots. And normally it takes me a few days to recover because you kind of get back from work at 1 or 2 a.m. Or, well, I mean, it's been later than that sometimes because we obviously continue and carry on into the early hours with Jim. And um, I'm absolutely knackered. But you're kind of running on adrenaline. So you can never get to sleep when you get in either. Mm. And then I find myself kind of watching the roundup of the transfers. And it's like, oh, that's me presenting that. That's a bit weird. But this time I did a lovely day shift and it was quite calm. And because of COVID, there's not the usual hustle and bustle in the office. So I quite enjoyed it being a little bit different for a change. You did spend, though, I noticed, a rather long time just digesting the news that Cristiano Ronaldo had been signed by Manchester United. Fair, yeah, I absolutely did. I um, I think it just made it even more exciting and thrilling because we thought he was going to go to City and then that massive turnaround and shock, I think it was 
shock. Had he have been linked with United and then gone there, yes, I would been have been as ecstatic. But I just think even more so, just elated on another level because I had thought genuinely that we might be facing Ronaldo in a City shirt. And thank God that's not going to happen. See, I didn't necessarily think that was going to happen, but it did come completely left field for me, Ronaldo going to United. Uh, Lindsay, uh, are you going to tell us that you predicted this one all along? (laughs) No, I'm not going to tell you that at all. I think it caught a lot of people out. I think even people very close to the story had heard quite strong reports that he was going to go to Manchester City. And I think it was a call from Sir Alex Ferguson and and a few other conversations later that that he realised that Manchester United would be in for him as well. And it was a no-brainer. Um, I, I was I was actually busy keeping my my eyes across other deals that could potentially have gone ahead. Um, when we talk about the, the title race, and I'm sure now, Hayley, you think with Ronaldo, Manchester United will be right up there in the Premier League. But the other ones that everyone was keeping uh, watch on were, were Chelsea too, because... Um, since bringing Lukaku, um, that seemed like it was the missing piece of the jigsaw. And then they've managed to bring Saul Niguez as well from Atletico Madrid on the final day. That is a huge signing as well. I think Jules Koundé, which didn't go through, which would have been a defender for Chelsea, would have absolutely sealed the deal and um, and meant that Thomas Tuchel was right out there as maybe even pushing to be favourites with Man City or ahead of them. Um, but now it's looking like it's a three-way race, um, although Spurs at the moment are the ones that are top of the table. I know, and Arsenal are bottom, such as the topsy-turvy world. And Arsenal League were football. the big spenders. That's where I was on yeah. transfer oh, deadline really? day. Okay, were yeah. you expecting anyone at Arsenal? So Tommy Yasu came in and... Um, What I would say about that is if you go to social media, there is a message from Arsenal women player who's also a Japan international, Mana Uwabuchi. And I believe that was maybe recorded slightly ahead of the curve. So if I put my thinking cap on, I think they might have known about Tomiyasu before it was announced. Um, But of course, they have paperwork and everything to to register him and sort through a medical. So it was announced a bit later on, but I think they probably knew about that for the, the couple of days leading up. They have spent the most money. Um, Six new signings under Arteta. It looks like they're backing him um, to bring through these younger players to play in a style that he wants, that he can integrate into the team and that he can mould these players into. But they're all under 23. And what you've seen with Arsenal is that they've gone from being that club in the last few transfer windows that brought in the likes of David Luiz and Willian, who, by the way, tore up his contract and did them a massive favour going to Corinthians this window, saving them a lot of money. Um, That didn't work in the past, the experience factor. So he seems to be going the whole other way and bringing in real young players. But that will probably require a bit of patience. Yeah, I think so. And it, it time will tell whether all those are good investments or not. Well, we are going to talk about the transfer window uh, in the show today, but we'll talk under the radar transfers. So with so much going on um, with Messi, Ronaldo uh, and all the big headlines, Lukaku, you, you've mentioned a few more as well. Um, perhaps the players that would normally have made the headlines, but in this Well, it's been a really bonkers transfer window. I haven't known one this mad for quite a few years, Um, uh, perhaps ever. um, I don't know. But with so much (laughs) money flying around, so many big names uh, up in lights, uh, we're going to look at some under the radar transfers. We're also going to be talking about statues as well after Vincent Company and David Silva were unveiled outside the Etihad. 
And, you know, just for a bit of fun, boy bands and girl bands. Why not? Andre Gray has joined QPR and his superstar fiance Leanne Pinnock becomes therefore WAG royalty. That's according to producer Flo, not according to me. But we'll roll with it and talk boy bands and girl bands and footballers a bit later on in the show. Let's get cracking. Okay, so topic one, I think we are all slightly relieved. We've taken a little pause, but time to reflect on the most dramatic, shocking and big spending transfer windows in Premier League history. All those names in lights, big name deals, plenty of superstars to keep us satisfied. I think many of us are relieved more than anything else because it was impossible to keep up with all the rumours and storylines at one point, wasn't it? Well, there's definitely a few deals then, I think, that fell under the radar after Messi and Ronaldo stole the show. So I'd like each of you ladies uh, to give me a deal and explain whether it's good or bad. One thing must be for sure, though, it must be one that we've not been hearing too much about. Every single window, this happens though, I think. There are some names that you just think, and even when the three of us, we work in it, you think, when did that happen? How did they end up there? I didn't notice that. And that's why I'm going to deflect over to Hayley McQueen first for this one, because she actually reads them out on air all the time. Uh (laughs) So I feel like you must be across this more than the rest of us. Well, this did make big headlines, but it wasn't discussed too much because it happened on the very last day. And of course, we were still rounding up the transfer. Everyone gets a mention and it was just still Ronaldo, 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 Ronaldo. But I just wanted to mention this particular player because I think he's going to be absolutely outstanding. And this is this is a team who have signed and gone big. Um, Crystal Palace, okay? So they've signed um, Michael Olise, Joachim Anderson, Mark Gay. Will Hughes, Conor Gallagher, um, so a significant investment there, apart from Gallagher, he's on loan from Chelsea at the moment, but they've covered multiple positions and there was the late addition of Odson Edouard. Now, Edouard, despite only signing four, um, a small price in my opinion, because he's come from Scotland and you don't tend to have these big money deals when you sign players from up in, in Scotland. Um, it's £14 million, rising to £18.5 million. I genuinely think he's going to be worth more than that and they are going to get their money's worth. I watched him for a few seasons when covering the SPFL and he's only 23 years old. He's absolutely outstanding. In his first season joining Celtic, now he was coming through the ranks at Paris Saint-Germain and he was potentially going to stay there but with so many big names playing for PSG and the fact that they were getting a little bit starry meant that he wasn't going to feature regularly but he did for Celtic and um, he scored 22 goals in his first season and he's consistent as well. He scored 28 in his second campaign and last time out 22. He's won silverware as well. Okay, Crystal Palace might not be eyeing up the Premier League title or even the FA Cup, but he has a winning mentality. He took the club's record to nine title wins in a row. And yeah, we all know what happened with Rangers and he was probably just wanting a little bit of a different challenge, but you don't score 86 goals in 179 appearances without attracting substantial interest. And some of the other clubs that came in for him Brighton, Newcastle United, Leicester, of course, with Brendan Rodgers wanting to bring him there and Arsenal. But I think it has to be said, well done, um, Crystal Palace, for managing to snap him up. And I think he's going to set the Premier League alight. I really, really do. 
Do you know what, Hayley, I've picked a Crystal Palace player as well and you've mentioned him already, but I'll go in focus a little bit on Michael Elise. He's had that fantastic season, didn't he, with Reading in the Championship. He's a player I've spoken about on this podcast before. But actually, not only is he full of potential at the age of 19, won the EFL Young Player of the Season, which is why many of you may recognise his name, scoring seven goals in 46 games. It's his fee, £8.37 million for Michael Elise to Crystal Palace from Reading. And um, that could be the bargain deal of the season, I think, if his potential is met with reality. I don't actually have any problems with that at all. He he is a talent. We know that. I'm really interested to see what he does in the Premier League. Um, I guess the only slight caveat with him is that he does... He is a really creative player. He says he likes to to express himself on the pitch, be free and be creative. And of course, you have to be a little bit more disciplined um, about that, perhaps, in the Premier League. But if he's got the right support around him, um, I think he's a player that we could be talking about a lot this season. There's a word of warning, actually, Hayley, and this was um, put in really good context by Ollie Kaye from The Athletic. There's a, a, a brilliant transfer summing up um, on The Athletic, by the way. It's pages and pages long, but Ollie Kay is one of the contributors and he talks about Crystal Palace and says that under Vieira they've left the old mantra of signing experience and instead they've signed you know a lot of really you know promising youngsters so a complete vol fast from mm. earlier incarnations of the transfer window it is a bit risky Perhaps. Well, it's risky, but it's also business. I mean, yes. this is the thing that I should have pointed out with Arsenal as well, with all the the young signings that they've made. A lot of that is because they want selling on value in the future. And yeah. that will be the case with Crystal Palace as well. Yeah. Uh, look, I think it's a terrific signing. I'm looking forward to seeing more of what he does. Michael Elise to Crystal Palace. Lindsay, I'm sure you've got something to add in. I have. I'm going to go back a little further in the window because I think after the Cristiano Ronaldo deal happened, everything got a bit blurry. Um, so let's, <laughs> Agreed. Let's go back through that fog um, and, and try and get to Musa Sissoko going to Watford. I think that this is a deal that hadn't really caught my attention Um and, you know, he'd been at Spurs. I knew that Nuno was trying to offload a few players. Um, I think the offloading of players in a transfer window equally as important as the ones that you bring in. Um, but the reason I want to highlight this move, um, he's already played. He got his first start for Watford against Spurs, against his former club. They also, him and Danny Rose, did a lap um, of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, they got a pretty good ovation, a proper goodbye from the crowd. But the thing that I wanted to talk about is that Spurs maybe missed a trick here a little. Um, we often think about Daniel Levy, this shrewd businessman, and I think he's proven that on the on the Kane non-transfer, which didn't end up happening. And, and he's shown that many times before. But this is one where he might have taken his eye off the ball a little bit because usually, ordinarily, the timing of this deal would have meant that Musa Sissoko wouldn't have been able to play against his former club Spurs because the deal wouldn't have gone through in time. But what happened at Spurs' end is that they didn't realise that usually the working day before a match, 12 noon, a player has to be registered by. So they released Musa Sissoko under that premise, not realising that because it was a Sunday game, the deadline was actually Friday noon, not Saturday oh. noon. So it just meant that that he was able to register and he was able to actually start against Spurs. Now, did he have a big impact? 
No, not really. I mean, he tried to tee up an early effort. Um, you know, obviously they conceded. I don't think he's going to pull up massive trees. Is it a good deal? I think it's a good deal for Spurs. I think it's a good deal that they got rid. And because I think Nuno's got a very much a, a way that he likes his defenders to play. And he likes his midfielders to play. And those linking up together, I don't think Suzoko, um was fitting that bill. But from a Watford point of view, they've had an upgrade. So I think it works for both. You know, they've got an upgrade of what they had. Um, the biggest thing as well, he accidentally smacked the ball against Nuno's chest in that match and had to apologise. <laughs> and you were wondering, was that on purpose? You got rid of me. Thanks. <laughs> but no, apparently it was an accident and, uh, and that was all fine. But yeah, I, I don't think uh, many people would have, will have spotted that move um, when it happened. I'm sure they spotted it after the, the match happened. But at the time when the when it went through, it really caught me out. Yeah. Seda Berahino went to Sheffield Wednesday. Remember, mm. remember him? 28 mm. still. Uh, it feels like he should be much older than that. Um Salomon been around Rondon. a long time, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. those players. Salomon Rondon uh, is linked up with Rafa Benitez for a third time. It's the third time that Benitez has signed that player. I, I mean, I know that this isn't necessarily an under-the-radar transfer, but I do feel like Jaden Sancho to Manchester United was about mm. 55 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like so much happened after that. And actually, because of all the lines around Varane and around Ronaldo, sort of Sancho's kind of stopped talking about that so much. Let's move on. Topic number two and last week well Manchester City um they haven't just been revealing new players in the month of August they've been well revealing some some questionable looking to a certain extent statues club legends Vincent Company and David Silver outside the Etihad I like Company's one by the way mm, if you've I seen do. these they're very these... bling they're very city aren't they they're yes. very bling <laughs> and I actually think if you if you put them into context of the whole area around the Etihad, mm, that they'll mm. actually fit in, that, that, that I can actually see them there, you know, see it all fitting in well, all the kind of colours sort of corresponds with some of the metal work around the stadium and stuff. Um, I don't like David Silver so much. I just, I just think you can't do hair well with those sorts of statues. I was just wondering whether it was before or after the transplant. <laughs> well, it, it actually looks like it's after. Um, uh, yeah, they are kind of made of what can only be described as as sort of, um, well, Hayley, you're probably better with this sort of interiors metal, sort of, okay. sort of mottled metal little strips, aren't they? Yeah, it, I mean, they're made out of steel, aren't they? So I, I imagine moulding steel into a finely quaffed, hairstyle a little bit tricky yes, yeah, yeah you're um, right you're yeah right. so th- th- there is there is work underway to add Sergio Guerrero as we know to, to the collection mm. as well and they're actually going to do some club legends we know there's the Colin Bell stand but apparently um yeah they're going to be more honours to Franny Lee Mike Summerby uh, and Colin Bell whether they'll get statues or not I'm not too sure but yeah it's 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 quite cool of City to make sure that they immortalise these players yeah well look the trend of turning pivotal mm. players, former players into statues, continues then, as you said. But who else deserves a dedication? Lindsay? I'll begin with Justin Edinburgh because I, I, I looked down the leagues for this one and I thought, you know, Leighton Orient, I, I think they could go that extra bit and get a statue of Justin Edinburgh. We all know, tragically, he died, um, had cardiac arrest, just 49 years old. 
And he'd only had a short stint at the club. It was about 18 months or so. But what he did was he did drastic change in a very, very short time. He got the club back to the football league and the fans honestly had him down as legendary material for that alone. But I think if you take into consideration the the state that the club was in, they'd been struggling. It was effectively in ruins, really, in ways. And this is a man that completely turned it around. Now, of course, he's got his huge associations with Tottenham Hotspur. And I was I was thinking about whether the statue would be there or Leighton Orient. Maybe they could share it. But certainly, Leighton Orient, I think um, they could have a statue outside and and it would be a real welcome by the fans who who still still are paying their condolences over this. It feels with COVID and everything that there's been this delay to, to mourning as well. And I think it, it might actually help with that. I've got a few little stories for you, but the one person I think I would like to see a statue of, and the reason there probably isn't one, because he's probably the man that decides on these kinds of things, it's Steve Gibson. Um, I'd like to see a statue of Steve Gibson outside mm. Airs not Ayrson Park, the Riverside. It's because I've just been reading an article on Ayrson Park. And of course, uh, I moved to Middlesbrough when he was um, owner of the club and and still very much is. Um, he saw the club leave them in 1995, built the Riverside Stadium. Yes, I know they're not in the Premier League anymore and they they struggle. They've been a bit of an up and down club in the past. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see them back up there, but I think it's going to be quite some time. He was um, appointed uh, an OBE. That was back in 2016 um, for his services to the economy, sport and also the community in Teesside. So he does more than just own a football club. Um, he has... Well, he saved the club from liquidation um, by forming a consortium back in 1986. Um, he was a local Labour Party's youngest ever councillor. He's done so much incredible work and he's kept the club afloat. They've had some brilliant days back in sort of the, you know, the 90s when I was watching them with Ravinelli and Janino and many of these players that I've mentioned countless times on, on previous podcasts. But I just think, wouldn't it be nice to see um, a chairman of a club, an owner of a club, um, uh, given a statue and there, there aren't many and and the fact that he's a British owner as well of a British club I think is is pretty cool. Becoming a rarer breed yeah. Mm. Um, well the person I've gone for is um, I've been doing a bit of research into some of the first black footballers um, in England. I'm doing an interview at the weekend with the relative of um, another footballer but this is this is someone who I've chosen to immortalise because he wasn't just one of the first black players to play in the English game but he was also a war hero as well he had these two sides to him and sadly died at the age of 29 Walter Tull is his name a lot of Spurs fans will know him Northampton fans too he was born in Kent he was orphaned sent to an orphanage in East London and, and he really excelled at football signed by Spurs in 1909 um, played uh, for Tottenham in the top flights, that was Division One at the time, becoming the nation's first black professional outfield player. Um, he moved to Northampton, played over 100 times for them as well. In 1914, he was one of the first footballers to sign himself up for battle in World War One. He went to the front line, fought in the Battle of the Somme. Um, he was commissioned as second lieutenant in 1917, contrary to regulations, by the way. That was not a thing that you did uh, for troops who were black in that time, sadly, and became the first 
British-born black combat officer in the British Army. He fought in Italy, returned to France to fight the Second Battle of the Somme, where he was shot and killed instantly in 1918 at the age of 29. He was awarded posthumously the British War and Victory Medal. So not only was he breaking barriers in terms of sport, but he was also doing so at war and died a war hero as well, Walter Tull. And I think the statue to him should be outside uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Very good. Um, Could I get one Mm. statue duplicated by any chance, just to add on Mm -hmm. the end? Because um, there is... Not that awful Ronaldo one. No, no, not that one. Redone, not duplicated. Crikey. I know, that needs knocking (laughs) down down. into bits. Um, Lily Parr. Um, There's a statue of Lily Parr at the National Football Museum. If you don't know the history around Lily Parr, um, I can't I can't teach it you all in this podcast, but please go and have have a look and a read up about it. She basically played in the 1920s for Dick Kerr Ladies. In her first season, she scored get this 108 <laughs> goals. Um, but I just think that Lancashire as a district are missing a trick. You know where are they going to put this? Um, 986 goals she scored in total. I, I think that there needs to be a second statue somewhere in Lancashire, maybe at in, outside Preston Psychiatric Hospital because that's where she worked as a nurse um, for her day job as well. I, I don't know, but I just feel that there should be something else in Lancashire where people can go and pay homage to Lily Parr and what she bought for women's football. All right, well, let's move on then from statues, uh, good ones, bad ones, and instead attune ourselves to a bit of music. So girl bands and boy bands, this has all been inspired by the fact that Andre Gray's arrival at QPR has got producer Flo thinking about girl bands and boy bands. Grey's superstar fiance Leanne Pinnock is part of, according to producer Flo, uh, arguably the best girl band in the world, Little Mix, oh. alongside Perry Edwards. I do course, like a bit of Little Mix. Yeah, I know I do. I don't know whether it's the biggest girl band in the world, but there we go. Um, don't forget as well, Perry Edwards, also a member of Little Mix, partner to Liverpool's Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. So uh, we're just going to throw some names in the mix there. Now, these could be footballers who we fancy in a girl band or a boy band. Um, they could be people with um, affiliations to music, maybe musical partners. Uh, we'll throw as many together as we can. So let's gather some men's and women's footballers Put them into the pile and try and create a band or two. Who wants a to go A super first? group. A super group. Yes. Okay. Um, who's got some ideas for this? Haley, should we start with you? Now, a drummer of a band is always kind of a slightly eccentric character, aren't they? And they just sit. I mean, you're, you're sitting there banging sticks against, you know, <laughs> skin, giant circles <laughs> making a noise. Um, bit like goalkeepers. So I would liken a the drummer of a band to a goalkeeper. And I just think, why not? I'm going to pick out Emiliano Martinez because I was just trying to think of goalkeepers and he was the first that came to mind. Uh, So I've got Martinez who will be on the drums because I think you can't have any other player other than a goalkeeper. Both between the sticks there. That was was another line that I've completely missed, but thanks for that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
I'm going to have to let you two bash this out if you're going to assign different roles in this supergroup because my supergroup is already assembled. It's manufactured in Pete Waterman, Louis Walsh style and it's already got a name. I've got all of my thinking around it. There are no positions in this band up for grabs. Okay, why is that? Because it's had a lot of thought behind it. You know, Pete Waterman and Louis Walsh, they assembled. It's not about the singing. It's about marketability. Okay. And and I've got a, a super group called Five Lions. And they're going to do brilliantly. Five five lions. Yeah, they're called the Five Lions. Um, I've got... are, are they are they are they going to be a roaring success, Lindsay? Are they? They are awesome. They are. They are. First song, awesome. And also, I've thought about so many things to do with this. Like they're all fr- like they're friends. So, because what we know is when you manufacture a band, there's someone who wants to split off and do a solo career, and they end up falling out. Uh, we we don't want that. So I've gone with friends. I've gone Declan Rice, Mason Mount, and Ben Chilwell. They love each other. They can be the three boys. Also, I've gone for pinup status. Um, from all of the the times that I'm on the road out doing Premier League uh, production work, the amount of time that fans come up to me and say, have you met Mason Mount? They love really? Mason Mount. He'd be the pin-up, I tell you. And then Rachel Daly and Millie Bright from the times that we've hung around with the the England squad, Kate, they are best buddies, get on so well, also really good fun. And yeah, I, I think Five Lions... There's no room for anyone yeah, else. I don't I like want that. any of your your guys in there. Um, one of the Manchester City women play it plays piano really well, and I, I tried to search who it was. I think I interviewed Jess Park about this at City, and I don't know if producer Flo can help out here, but one of them plays the piano really well, and they had sort of they had karaoke sessions in lockdown as well. Well, that was if a you've big seen thing for the, the new players. women's Super League advert on the BBC, Leah yes, Williamson can play piano, can't she? Yes, she can. She's playing yes, Match of the Day can. theme tune. Yeah, so Arsenal's Leah Williamson there. Actually, I had Mason Mount um, as well. You didn't, didn't realise this, but he serves a double-purpose lens, not just uh, is he a pin-up, according to you, and very popular in terms of marketability. He also has a singer for a girlfriend, so he can get some singing lessons off her. Uh, Chloe Williams-Watts, if that's how you pronounce your name, Chloe. Apologies if I've got it wrong. Um, But she's been dating him for quite a while. She's released a few of her own tracks, and she's part of an all-girl band named 303. So she's not hit the dizzying heights yet, but just to flag up, perhaps... Perhaps we make her an advisor. They can or be the support a group. Advisor. They can yeah. be the support act okay. for Five Lions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, perhaps we should On put Chelsea tour. Grimes yeah. in there as well. Uh, I know oh, she's Chelsea not kind Grimes. of a professional player, but you, you know she's football and music. Um, very successful musician. Played at Liverpool as a youngster. Fulham and Tranmere too. Um, so we could put her in there. Um, Haley, any more suggestions? Well, I, I, funnily enough, I did have Mason Mount because of his girlfriend. I'd said maybe he can go in there. He'll be picking up a little, um, yeah, a few little tips from from his girlfriend who's from Northumberland. It kind of just reminded me of years ago when Ashley Cole was dating Cheryl Cheryl Tweedy <laughs> when she was the Tweedy. She's still Cheryl Cole now, or is she just known? Is she just Cheryl like Kylie and Madonna? Is she just Cheryl? I don't know where she been for these last <laughs> few years. She's disappeared. But I did have Mason Mount, and I, I'm going to pop oh, Louis Zaha. All of us have got Mason Mount. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pop Louis Zaha in there because. Um, I saw how important music was to him and he'd actually called for music to be part of 
COVID recovery in schools. He says he listens to a lot of hip hop. One of his absolute favorite bands is Fleetwood Mac. And he listens to Fleetwood Mac before games. And he said, you know, now more than ever, we need to support children. They've had it tougher than most over the last year. He said, I don't know if people realize, but music can bring so much joy to so many and enabling more children to have access to instruments and teaching can only benefit them. So I I, I love Very that. Very noble so I thought choice there. He, he deserves, he could maybe be the lead singer leading the way in these initiatives as well. And maybe we could pop somebody in from from Europe because we could have a bit of a continental theme. What about Gerard Piquet? Because I imagine Gerard Piquet um, to be quite the musician because how does Shakira not rub off on you? Yes. After how this, does, you know, how does she not influence <laughs> I still love that song. I still love it. It was the theme tune from yeah. 2010 South Africa. I don't, want, every, I don't want people writing in and answering that question. Um, I... <laughs> Do you know, they've been together as long as that song. Yes. Yes. It's my mind. They've done very well. Um, I've had a good old Google search as well, guys. Um, So forgive these slightly tenuous links, but uh, Ruben Diaz, uh, city player, amazing city player, um, he's got a pop star girlfriend called April Ivy. Uh, She splits her time between her career in Lisbon and her boyfriend in Manchester. So that's why we don't know much about her music because it's Portugal based. Um, But search her up, April Ivy, pop star girlfriend of Ruben Diaz. Um, John Joe Shelby, he's got a musical girlfriend too. Do you remember S Club Juniors? Uh, Created Frankie and Rochelle that went on to do the Saturdays, of course. Um, But Daisy Shelby used to be called Daisy Evans, part of the original S Club Juniors. I think she's a makeup artist now, but um, wife to John Joe Shelby. So I've I've popped John Joe in there as well. Just for the influences. I still can't get over the fact that producer Flo, we really need to call this show. How does Shakira rub off on you? <laughs> <laughs> well, how does she not rub off on you? How does she not rub off on you? <laughs> All right. Well, let's round up then our band, which is which is quite sizable. It has many incarnations now and move on to any other business. Let's round off the final chapter of this podcast in tradition as we go to any other business. The first item I want to raise, ladies, on the agenda is the fact that there is an animal currently sitting on Lindsay Hooper's lap. We need to introduce our listeners to the brand new member of the offside rule, um, who's black and hairy. He's a little bit curly. He's just waking up, actually. His name's Billy. He's nine weeks old and he is a Yorkie poo. He's got a milk bone and he's been very quiet because he likes to just sit on my lap at the minute whilst I'm doing these records. Um, But I I was thinking as we introduce him to listeners, um, we can bring him back at some point. Next tournament, he can be the equivalent of our octopus or something, can't he? Yes, we said that in our new... um, This is... This, this is also a piece of any other business, by the way. Um, the Athletic Women's Football Podcast is the rebranded Offside Rule WSL edition. So if you want to check out all things women's football, and there is a preview there, by the way, um, for the new WSL season, for those of you wanting to get across it, and plenty of interviews with players there as well. Um, check that out, the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Billy makes an appearance there as well. So who's got what elsewhere? I'd just been looking at um, Ronald Koeman, who's been told by Barcelona that he absolutely must win La Liga if he wishes to remain in charge at the <laughs> new company. Yeah, he's basically, he only took charge last summer. He's lost like Messi. He's lost, 
you know, um, yeah, they're they're I think they're third in the top flight at the moment. Um, but yeah, apparently he's been told unless he wins the league, he's out. I mean, what the hell kind of pressure is that on a manager? Um, so that was just a little a little headline that I read this yeah. week. And you I probably just... text them back and said, No problem. Yes. Yeah, don't worry about it. I've got yeah. it sorted. Mm. I've got it sorted. Uh, the one thing that I wanted to bring up was, uh, again, from the transfer window, but it's one of those stories that warms the cockles. Um, Troy Deeney. Troy Deeney, who was such a loyal servant to Watford, got them promoted, been their captain for several years, got through 14 different managers in his time at the club, left his beloved Watford to go to his beloved Birmingham. He is a, a boyhood fan of Birmingham City and he's moved there in the last transfer window. And I thought that was such a lovely, heartwarming story that he's gone back to his boyhood club and taken, let's face it, a significant pay drop yeah, in order like to go that. there. He probably could have got a different move, but what he's wanted to do is stay true to his roots. And you never know. Birmingham, who I've watched a couple of times already this season under Lee Bowyer, are looking very good. They could get in the playoffs. They could get promoted. Can you imagine if he helps his boyhood club get promoted? Have you guys been following Roy Keane since he opened his Instagram account? It's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> yes. it's also, so... the walking with the dog thing he did with Gary Neville was brilliant as well. Yes, it was. And there's a bit of a dog theme on here because he actually dressed up, did you see, as one of the characters out of Paw Patrol, Roy Keane as a giant dog. <laughs> That's right, because it was all in the name of making sure that his kids were kept happy. So yeah, one day he pops up as a, as a giant cartoon character of a dog and the next thing he's walking his dog. Fair play to him Gary though. I, Would know. You, I mean, I wouldn't dress up as a cartoon character for my kids. Sorry kids, I love you dearly, but I just don't think I could do it. And and then especially not post it on Instagram either. Wait, Would which you do that cartoon for your dog uh, no, but I'm wondering which cartoon character Molly and Arthur would want you to be dressed as. What I, I actually want probably now? something what from DC Comics or something like that. Wow. But then oh, I'd struggle to get into the costumes. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I think. I think lockdown has meant that I won't be uh, slipping into uh, anything looking like Catwoman or whoever else there is. Well, if Billy uh, plays up too much, I'm going to dress up as Cruella Deville. Oh dear! Oh, <laughs> evil! I wonder if you could trick Billy and just dress up. Like, I wonder if you got if you went to the shop and got a big dog costume because he's only a pup. Oh. He's liable to get confused. Oh. If you dressed up as a dog, what would he do? I would don't he like know. Th properly think that that you were his mum? And it would probably be Maybe. quite mentally tarring. I, don't I know. am his mum. <laughs> no, well, yes, okay, dog mum, dog mum. Um, here's one for you, um, Haley. You probably know about mm -hmm. it, but I just wanted to give it a mention. Hearts, I've mentioned them already, but they've become the largest fan-owned club in the UK. Yes. Uh, yes. Chair Anne Budge, she um, signed her shares over, didn't she, to the foundation of Hearts Group. And I think this is magnificent, although she has said it isn't like uh, the sort of fan-owned part of it is going to be having an automatic say into key decisions and transfers and stuff. But, you know, she has said, and, and, and it needs to be noted, that it is a significant moment in sort of fan ownership clubs, really. Well, there we go. Let's wrap it up there, shall we, ladies? Uh, in good shape as we are, heading into a new season. It feels like... 
we're going to have a good one, particularly if some of these big names live up to our expectations. Thank you, listeners, for letting us know how you're finding us. If you haven't already, it's at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and on Insta. And do check out our website as well, offsiderulepodcast.com. And plenty of content there for you to get your chops around. Um, We have opinion pieces every week from Laura Jones. Always feisty, always makes a good point. So uh, check out those. And, And also a quick reminder about the Athletic Women's Football Podcast as well. You can find that on all good podcasts podcast platforms um what are you doing for the weekend ladies um Lindsay, you'll be no doubt um heading to the emirates probably on sunday for that big wsl game what else have you got in store yes and i'm i'm at manchester united against reading on friday night um so a, a lot of traveling back and forth um and then my cousin's coming down to meet billy so he's gonna have his first visitor Aww. oh how lovely Haley, what are you up to i want to see billy i've actually got social plans which is which is really nice at some point i will actually go and watch some football but because my little one is just a bit too little um i'll have to wait and that's quite exciting because my other half isn't into football i'm like oh i'm always looking for someone to take to a game even if it's just local we've got flackwell heath up the road and i've got adams park with we can wander not far away as soon as she's old enough, I'll be taking her to football. How nice is that going to be on a Saturday? Um, but yeah, I've got social plans with a few friends. I've got a first birthday to fit in, the big the big one. Um, and I'm just going to have a lovely little weekend. I am on air on Sunday morning. I'll be dragging myself out of bed at 5am, but home by 1pm and out, out, out for the afternoon. And yeah, because it's international weekend, yeah, a lot of my friends who work in football are actually free. So that's that's quite nice. Yeah, well, because it is international mm. weekend, uh, we urge you, listeners, do check out some of the women's action on Sky Sports and on the BBC. Uh, plenty of live games to get your chops around. And who knows, uh, it may well be a habit that you'll keep for the rest of the season. Thank you very much, as I said, to all of you listening. So until next week, we'll check out for now here on The Offside Rule. We'll catch you soon. You've been listening to The Offside Rule part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at OffsideRulePodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. The Athletic. Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that you know Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.